Welcome to the Firearm Trainers Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. We bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. This episode is brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearm Trainers Association. Head on over to their website at FTA Protect to learn more about their instructor coverage that they offer and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10. This episode is brought to you by Mantis X. The Mantis X is a must-have for any serious firearm instructor. The Mantis X is a high-tech, lightweight, precision sensor that attaches to a gun, analyzes a shooter's movement patterns, and displays all the information in real time on a smartphone or tablet. The Mantis X gives instructors objective, data-driven feedback on things that you and I can't see so that you can coach your students more effectively. Get 10% off with promo code FTP10 at mantisx.com. Today's episode is a review episode of the first 10 episodes with Jason Speller. And we're broadcasting today also from the Indiana Law Enforcement Academy, where we're doing a week-long draw skull with Jason. Welcome, Jason. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate you having me here. And it's been fantastic so far this week having you as a student in the class. I, I definitely appreciate you having here. It's it's one of those things where a lot of stuff in the first 10 episodes, I think, got reinforced with what you're talking about. I think uh, there's also a lot of lot of stuff in, out here for our listeners to really dive in. And if they haven't listened to all 10 episodes, hopefully this will uh, budge them a little bit to go and listen to these uh, different episodes that have a lot wide ranging of topics. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, we, we've got about 20, 25 minutes to hit on these uh, 10 episodes. So I know it's not a lot of time. Uh, I, I honestly feel after listening to these first 10 episodes that we could do another 30 minutes on top of that, just recapping and really capturing the feel and the flavor of what some of these instructors who have been around for decades, the experience and, and, and the thought that they're bringing to help additional instructors out there to really get better at what they're doing as instructors. So uh, we'll try to make this as quick and easy as we can. <laughs> well, that's a great introduction because probably one of my favorite interviews of the first 10, it's got to be number one. Dave, Dave Spaulding talking about avoiding dogmatic instruction. Exactly and right. if you didn't listen to it, um, it, it was special. And what did you get out of that, Jason? You know, the first thing I got out of it was really as an instructor, the, the process of instructing as a firearm trainer is not about you. Yes, you should know what you're teaching. You should be very confident at it. But at the end of the day, what are you really passing along to your students? Are you making yourself, yourself feel better or are you making your students feel better? Are you improving your students? Are they walking out of your classroom? Are they walking off of your range a better shooter, feeling more comfortable, more confident about their capabilities than when they came into your classroom or onto your range? And I think that that's something that a lot of times these instructors miss it's almost like they want the class to be a show about what their capabilities are, what they can do. Uh, and a lot of times, especially when you're working with new students, folks that are picking up the firearm for the first couple of times, uh, go, having that kind of an, uh, an air about yourself uh, really puts some folks in, into the mindset of, can I really do this? And the bottom line is, is you can do it. It doesn't matter whether you're new. Uh, or been shooting for a long time, you can always pick up something new. You can always get better, but it really comes down to how comfortable is that instructor with making those students so that they have a very progressive open learning environment. 
you know, the students didn't come for a show. They came to improve their skills. And that's the part that instructors, as Dave said, it's got to get through their head that if they didn't make that student better, then that student wasted the money. Exactly. And he was made that, um, he wasn't very emphatic about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was very emphatic about it. But it was one of those things where all instructors should have his mindset of, I got a student, they're there for to, to build skills. And those are the things that we should be focused on. Right. And sometimes we end up with a student that's a little bit slower. Uh, always take that time and take those couple of extra minutes to work with that student. Uh, not only is it going to help that student to progress, but a lot of times when you're working with a slower student, uh, some of those other students might have a question in their mind. And you can use that opportunity to, to train that particular student as a learning opportunity to teach these other students that are in the classroom. And the one thing that popped in my mind when you were saying that, Jason, is what's our product as instructors? It's going along producing competent students. If we go along and take time, take two minutes to go along and help somebody and everybody's looking like, wow, you know, look how well they're shooting now or able to execute that drill. Guess what? They're going to go back and say, that's the person you get, you know, mom, you got to go see this instructor because he can help you shoot better or, you know, they're going to go to their spouse. So that's yeah, exactly. One closing thought on, on Dave's uh, interview uh, that I really appreciated uh, was really at his age and having done everything that he's done, the sense of maturity that he has to say, hey, guys, I'm hanging this up. I'm, I'm kind of fading myself or weaning myself out of this process here. Um, and, but the other thing, too, was just to make sure that and this is something that he truly understands. What are we giving to the next generation? Are we truly giving and passing along the experience that we've gained as instructors to the next generation so that that next generation of instructors can truly take the, the torch, as it were, and run with it? Definitely. Very definitely. Well, that kind of leads us into the next uh, episode, number two, with Andrew Bronco and the three myths that instructors tell, which uh, was very interesting. To Again, Andrew's not very opinionated about things <laughs> but it, but um it, it was a very good interview it was a great interview and, and for all instructors even if you've listened to this interview with with andrew brock i know that sometimes folks say well the illegal things are kind of dry uh this is the one episode i think you really need to go back and listen to because it deals with legal aspects as instructors teaching our students that's going to touch every single one of us. Are we teaching the right things from a legal standpoint? Do we understand our state laws? What are we teaching our students? Are we giving our students things that are going to help them from a legal standpoint? Or are we just passing along information that we've heard and we're rehashing that could actually hurt them from a legal standpoint? Yep, there, there were definitely a few things I took away even as the host of that to where it's like, Andrew, didn't really understand those finer points exactly. and that's where it's it's it was great for Andrew to spend some time with us hopefully we'll have him on in future podcasts because 30 minutes is not long enough to drain much information out of Andrew's head but at the same time it gives I think everybody kind of a, a good reality check of saying okay I need to make sure I know the basics I'm not a lawyer but at least I need to make sure where I can point my students, where I, what I should tell them, and maybe some of the things we shouldn't be telling them. I, I agree 100%. So definitely go back and listen to that uh, second episode. Mm-hmm. De- definitely. And then we get into episode three, which, again, was a, a great, great uh, interview with Ken Hackathorn about are we delivering what our students want or what they need? 
And that's that's one of those things where it's not a play on word. It's really something that you got to think about from an instructor standpoint of do they just want to shoot rounds? Okay, they can go down the range, or do they really need instruction? And what and what kind of instruction do they need to become better at whatever they're doing? Yeah, that, that's true. He made a good point. He said shooting a thousand rounds doesn't make you better, and that's true. Uh, sometimes we'll have departments that call us when we put on these draw school instructor courses around the country, and they just, just want to make sure that what we put on our application is correct, and that is that these students only need to bring 500 rounds to class. And the reason for that is, is because we spend a lot of time in the classroom honing skills so that when we actually get out to the range, the actual live fire portion of that training, we're getting more benefit, more training benefit, and more benefit in terms of making that shooter better with fewer rounds. So every round we send down range, there's a specific purpose behind it. And because we've honed those skills in the classroom, we can actually shoot fewer rounds and get more training benefit out of it. So I really appreciated Ken bringing that point up. Yeah, and, uh, and from just this week alone, we're at about 300 rounds in three days. So not a real high round count, but rep count of drawing from the holster, of going along, clearing malfunctions, doing that. We're probably a couple thousands. Easy uh, with easy. with all that. I've got a blister forming in my hand. I've done so much, uh, so and I don't feel like it's uh, you know been gypped or anything else like that. Because right. when we did get out to do the live fire, guess what? I did what I wanted to do, and it just shows that how valuable dry fire is, and where Ken's uh, words of wisdom really, really um, you know sound uh, come true to right. all instructors that are out right. there. Ken also called out some some of a very specific group of trainers, and he called them inter-trainers. And I thought that that was a very unique uh, term that he used. Uh, and that's those individuals that are there to be more entertaining than they are to be instructors. Uh, and I encourage everyone who's listening to this podcast, take a step back, look at yourself. Are you truly pouring your heart and soul into every student in that classroom? Because if you are, even if you've had a physically demanding day on the range, you should be more mentally exhausted from trying to impart knowledge and instruction and share experience with them than you should be trying to entertain those individuals with what your capabilities are. Now, and so I really appreciated uh, him bringing that point out and, and kind of giving that a name. It's entertaining to watch on YouTube every now and then. Mm -hmm. uh, but when we're out here, it's all about that student, not about us. Uh, definitely. And again, our product is our students. And that's where we, again, touched on a very good point of, you know, we got to give our students what they need mm -hmm. uh, for and such. Uh, something that we dovetailed right into with it is Jeff Gonzalez and what only the top instructors know. And if listeners haven't listened to this, or we've only listened to it once, recommend maybe going back and re-listen to it because Jeff had some really great pearls of wisdom there when it comes to if you want to be a top instructor, not just your average you know guy on the corner teaching, but right. you really want to excel. Jeff had great knowledge on how to go along and connect with your students. Right. And, you know, in addition to Jeff Gonzalez, I'll say that there were a, a number of instructors in these first 10 episodes that while they may have said something different, they were all kind of speaking the same language. 
And that is, is you have to understand adult learning. You have to understand that methodology. And you have to understand that the vast majority of adults learn by seeing. And so demonstrating is very important. So understanding what those adult learning theories are and then reinforcing those lessons with the students, demonstrating in front of them, all of those things will are, are specific touch points to make sure that regardless of who's in that classroom, we have the ability to speak individually to every single learning style in there so that we're giving their, each student what they need to become a competent shooter. Yep, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make our students the best they can be. Absolutely. That's great. Uh, we moved into episode five with Jacob Paulson talking about you know why why we're not seeing students in the seats uh, or and the students aren't seeing senior classes in the search results. And he brought up a lot of good points. We can, you, we as small businesses, and most instructors are running small businesses, don't have endless budgets, Bill, go on advertise. We, and if we go out there and dump a hundred, 200, 300 bucks into Facebook or Google, AdWords, different things like that, we may not see that as a return. But there were some simple things on setting up our website and going along, interacting and allowing Google to do organic searches mm -hmm. that way, which is really good. And we were talking just before we started recording about some of your experiences about from being a small business, how challenging that is. Right. And so when you look at what we do, we have a training component, which is Draw School and Draw Academy. Uh, and so we've learned a lot in the early days from that. But then we also have a products division, which is uh, the Barrel Block product. Uh, and so not just selling a course online, but also selling a product online. Uh, I really wish I had access to Jacob's uh, podcast uh probably three and a half, four years ago. I can tell you that a lot of the mistakes that we've made over the last three or four years, we could have easily avoided those things. Uh, but the key thing here, I think, is, is that there's a lot of resources out there. You know, double check, triple check, multiple sources, kind of cross-reference what you're seeing. Uh, and don't jump on the first guy that calls you and says, hey, for this amount of money, I'm going to get you at the top search results. Because a lot of times, there's a lot of folks out there that are saying that, and a lot of times you're not going to get the bang for your buck. Uh, so don't make the same uh, mistakes that we made. Uh, take the time, research these things. Uh, but one thing that, that I want to also encourage instructors to do uh, is to tell their students, if you like this class, please tell your family, tell your friends about it. Because we don't ever want to... Uh, underestimate the power of word of mouth marketing. We have to have an online presence. But man, when you do things the right way and you work with students and they're learning, uh, you can grow an entire market locally, regionally in a very organic manner. And that's huge. Yep. And organic doesn't mean that you have to go out there and pay Facebook. That's you just go, go along and have people talking about it. People going along and, hey, I'm recommending this class. Again, our product you know, because this teacher or instructor helped me go along, get over my anticipation, my problem with the trigger, how I was holstering, all those kind of different details. And all of a sudden, that one person is bringing you five, ten more students, and then those people bring you more students. Exactly. Yeah. It was exponentially very important. An episode that was really uh, fun to, to talk to an uh, industry leader, Larry Vickers, was changes in the industry that instructors need to know. And the one thing that struck out or but one of the main reasons that I had behind this topic was so much information's out there on the internet that sometimes you got to be able to cut through it. And at the same time, 
as instructors, we've got to be aware of a very broad amount of information so that we know about firearms. We know how different things uh, operate properly. And Larry just hit it out of the park, in my my opinion, during during the interview. Yeah, he did. He brought up a point that I really appreciated. Number one, he said, "Strike the fire pistols or power frame uh, pistols rule," which is true. Uh, but one of the things that I, I see with a lot of instructors is, now, I've shot Glock for many years. Uh, I, I'm an absolute Glock fan, just like Larry is. But one of the things that I've noticed is, is that too often instructors have this tendency to focus on the brand, the make, the model that they shoot. And they're an expert on that firearm, and they should be. But like Larry said, not everyone's going to show up with that particular firearm in your classroom and especially not some of our older or senior students that might find their way into our courses. They may be bringing in uh, an old semi-automatic pistol that they're dusting off that's 20 years old. The, The question is, is as an instructor, do you know how to operate that firearm? And do you know how to then share with your student how to operate that firearm? Uh, and don't be afraid to make the recommendation to a student that maybe they trade that firearm in and get a newer, more modern firearm. As instructors, are we going to our local ranges? Are we going to our pro shops, our gun shops? Are we picking up these different makes and models of firearms? Are we seeing how they operate? Uh, are we seeing what some of the nuances of that firearm are? Maybe where that slide stop lever is, maybe where that mag release is, because we need to know these things on all makes and models. So when those different firearms come into our classroom, we're able to educate the student on the pros and cons, what might work, what might not work, whether they have big small, big hands, small hands, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things we've discovered this week just about me, I've got huge hands compared to everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> That's an under, understatement there. But it's one of those things to where people with smaller hands can't shoot my Glock. Right. I have horrible problems with small frame guns. Uh, and that's where if I was coming to somebody and saying, hey, I'm shooting this all over the place, I would expect an instructor, again, but it's this product of the training, right. should be able to go along and say, well, maybe you might want to trade your Glock or something for this model because, hey, we all like window shopping, so why not spend an afternoon sometime going to the gun store and just right. checking out the different models and asking, okay, you know, what's this uh, you know, VP9 have compared right. to the SIG models? What about this or that? They'll educate you. Maybe you'll walk away with a new firearm. Maybe not, but at least they'll have more information they'll share with their students. And if you have a chance to shoot that firearm, a lot of times what looks good and feels good in the showroom doesn't feel good on the range. Encourage your students to get to that range. Put a couple of test rounds down range and see how they like it. I cheat on that because I wait for the gun stores to send the the Smith & Wesson days or the H&K days, different things like that. Get free five rounds Excellent. in it. There you go. Why not? So stay in touch with your local ranges because those days do come around and you really can uh, gain a lot of information when they do. Definitely. Let's roll on to episode number seven, which uh, was with Clint Macro and talking about National Train of Teacher Day. That's coming up July 20th couple weeks away from where we are right now uh, in the middle of uh, June. Really great opportunity for teachers to go along and learn some. And there's probably two big things we want people to take away from that episode. One, if you're an instructor, trainer out there, go to uh, nationaltrainateacherday.com and find out more information. 
for it so that you can go along and potentially help out. I know the last time I talked to Clint, they were looking for about two or three more people in specific states to try to spread out uh, so we could have all 50 states covered. It's really great to hear how largest grown just Absolutely. just in a year with it but at the same time trying to get the word out there with the, the teachers so that they know you know vacation bible school uh, high schools universities if they do something with education those uh people are more than welcome to attend those classes yeah. and they are free yeah. and that's and that's a big draw we know those a lot of times teachers aren't paid the most mm-hmm. so this is kind of part on the training industry to go out there and help these teachers get some free training. Right. Or, yeah, don't, don't look at this as an opportunity to make money. Look at it as an opportunity to give back to your community. So ask yourself two questions when it comes to National Training Teacher Day. Uh, what are my strong points? What am, I, what am I good at? What am I a subject matter expert at? What can I teach? And then who do I need to coordinate that with so I can put that expertise and that instructions and give back so I can put that in front of the correct audience? Mm-hmm. So make sure that you, you coordinate that with your, your and the one thing that's tied into everything else we've talked so far is it's a great great venue for you to demonstrate your instructor instructing ability mm-hmm. and turn into those people coming back for additional paying classes or going along and telling their husband hey you've got to go take this class from this person because they did such a great job with me again right. word of mouth organic marketing it's does uh, wonders for okay. any kind of company very very quickly uh, episode number eight we went along and we talked to scott reddy about demonstrating in front of students and failing mm-hmm. that's one of those things i hope a lot of people looked at and it's like what's the failing about because <laughs> nobody likes to fail right and that's that that's a big one for people to get over but i think scott hit it on the on the head with it right you know when you are demonstrating in front of your students, and, and one of the instructors had talked about this, I think, in a previous episode, it might have even been uh, Scott. The first time that you're demonstrating, you need to be demonstrating in a, at a speed that accomplishes two things. Number one, you're demonstrating and folks can comprehend what you're doing so they can actually see how you're manipulating the firearm mechanically and what the process is. But also, number two, that you're going at a speed that's slow enough to where you don't boggle it up. Uh, And so that's extremely important. But as you start to work through those revolutions and the students are starting to speed up and and, and starting to really get the flavor of what you're trying to share with them, uh, start to speed them up a little bit more. And you as an instructor need to be speeding up, too. One of the things that you've had the opportunity to experience here in this classroom uh, over the last several days here at the, the Indiana Law Enforcement Academy is that as we learn certain aspects of uh, firearms handling and ma- manipulation, uh, because of the use of the barrel block and making those firearms safe, we have head-to-head competitions between students to see who can perform that uh, particular function the fastest. And that, of course, creates not only good, fun competition, but it also creates a tremendous amount of stress and at the end of that, I always have the opportunity uh, to work with some of the faster students in the, in the classroom to push myself to that failing point. So, so what is the failing point? The failing point is, is how fast can I perform this function and do it right without messing it up? And sometimes as we get into that competitive spirit, we find ourselves pushing ourselves past that, that point that we can actually perform that function and then we're failing. Uh, don't necessarily, I don't personally recommend doing that in a live fire setting unless it's controlled because we've done that this week as well. Uh, but really, 
you know, as instructors, not just demonstrating, but getting out there, working with your students. If you have the opportunity to have a little friendly competition, do that. Not to put your students down, but to show your students that you're human and you do mess up. And Rob, I'll just ask you point blank. Have I messed up this week? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we all have. And, and that's one of the things I think was so great. The, the class is a classroom full of instructors. These are not your beginning shooters or anything else like that. We all are type A personalities who want to go out there and we want to be number one. And when we go out there and do stuff, well, guess what? We do head to head. Some point, you know, you're not going to win. Some, po- some, po- some points you are going to win. And then you go along and do it again. Guess what? The other person who just completely messed up is now the fastest person. And we've seen that with everybody in class today. No matter how slow somebody was on one drill, they go along and flip around. And all of a sudden, they're, they're the top dog on, on the next drill. And that's where we're not minutes apart. We're seconds apart, which yeah. means that all it takes is for somebody to fumble a magazine or, or you know, miss a, a, a mag drop, something else like that. And all of a sudden, guess what? <laughs> you lose because, exactly because right. and that's and, and that demonstrates us you're human and you want to get to the point that you're not failing exactly and one other thing i'll add into that too uh is to for instructors is to really check their equipment not just their firearm not just their magazine but what are you teaching is your holster uh you know is your holster substantial enough for what you're teaching if you're teaching malfunction clearances and so on and so forth especially with one hand uh, is your equipment going to function correctly? Because we had some equipment failures in the classroom today, mm-hmm. and some of the students found out real quick that certain things in theory sound good, but when applied in a stressful situation, they fail very fast. And that's one of those things we're going to realize that the people we're talking to will be probably using the skills we're teaching them in a stressful situation. And the best place to fail is in the classroom where somebody with a watchful eye says, you realize you're putting opposite pressure on what you're doing, right? Something, something else like that. Okay. Well, I think the next next one you might you might have a little bit of input on since you were the guest. I'm um, talking about traditional firearm training is dead, and I can really say this week and what you've gone over and tying in the science to the training has been an eye opener from my standpoint. Been very informative uh, with it. Some of the exercises are. The same ones I've done in other classes, but at the same time, the other classes didn't give me the science behind it. Right. And I feel a little bit more, especially as an instructor, if somebody comes to me and says, hey, why are we doing it this way instead of that way, that I got more information that I can go along and say, well, this is the science behind it. And that's why we teach it this way instead of doing it that way. Exactly. And, you know, sometimes we have a tendency to hold on to, the, to traditions very tightly, especially in the firearms training field. Uh, but there's just so much information that we've been able to build around uh, in the draw school and the draw academy courses uh, that really have shown us that traditional firearms training yeah, truly is dead. We live in a different world today, and the way that we train has got to come up to the 21st century that we live in uh, so that we're teaching folks uh, how to manipulate that firearm in a way uh, that's going to, to help them to be a fast, accurate shooter. And so as you have seen this week, uh, we're not only giving you the science behind why we train the way we do and understanding the brain and the body, but truly the why. We want our students, we want our instructor candidates and our instructors, we want them to understand why certain things work and why certain things don't work. And through a process of finding what works, we've also found that there's a lot of traditional things that we teach uh, or have historically taught 
that do not work, or maybe there's a better way around that process uh, that's easier to help the brain to process it and then be able to execute it. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Uh, It's just, we wouldn't be teaching firearm handling from the 30s or 50s or even the 80s um, today because those firearms are completely different than what we have today. So why are we teaching the same techniques in, in a lot of cases? And that's where the science that you bring to the, to the class and then part upon the instructors is really valuable information. Yeah. Uh, you know, we just want everyone to understand that while there is always a uh, a reason for learning the fundamentals uh, in firearm shooting, uh, especially standing in a static position and shooting at a static target. There's something to be said for that. There is value in learning those seven fundamentals of firearms marksmanship, which really has been the cornerstone of training. Uh, but you have to understand that, especially if you're using that firearm for defensive purposes, uh, those seven fundamentals of firearms marksmanship are very, very limiting in scope in terms of what that's going to allow you to do and moving well past that to understand uh, how to get your brain and body working together in a coordinated fashion to make you fast and accurate. That's where you need to be. Staying in balance is the one phrase I'm going to take away from this class without, without a doubt or without a doubt if the brain if the body's balanced the brain is happy you like a happy brain definitely that's that is one of the things i've taken away well now we're up to episode 10 and this this was uh, a good interview with kyle squeak from the firearm trainers association everybody knows they're sponsoring the podcast mm-hmm. but they're also new on on the market not everybody knows about the firearm trainers association they know about a lot of other insurance groups and a lot of instructors they're responsible they've got insurance with those mm-hmm. other instructor groups and the my big reason having Kyle on was to go along and make sure people understand, wait a minute, there is actually an instructor's insurance pro- product out there that is made by instructors for instructors, which is really important because when you start wanting to go along, push that envelope. We've talked mm-hmm. about knowing where your failure point is, different things like that. You can get in some risky activities where somebody could potentially get hurt. You, know, you do force-on-force training. You you start doing uh, different things along those lines. Some of those insurance policies don't cover that. Right. Firearms Trainers Association covers pretty much everything but grappling on the ground. Right. That is a great benefit for instructors who want to go along and say, okay, well, I'm going to I'm going to have a shoot house, and we're going to use simunition, or we're going to use UTM. Go, well, okay. But what happens when somebody gets that errant shot and they get, you know, it, it, it bruises them really bad or right. somebody stumbles on, on their parking lot, you know, okay. things along those lines. And that's where you know, Kyle gave us a really good rundown of right. how, how the insurance product works and what's available to it. And they've, they've been great to the podcast so far, the podcast listeners and all the discounts they give to them. And, mm-hmm. and that's, uh, it, was a, it was a really good episode with Kyle. Yeah, and keep in mind, instructors, that, you know, going back to some of the previous interviews, are you giving your students what they need? You're, as you start to build out your clientele and these instructors or these students rather want more and more and more, uh, like you just mentioned, uh, that some of those even dry fire or force on force uh, training, uh, what we refer to in law enforcement as DT or defensive tactics, uh, some of those things can result in, in uh, small injuries or in some cases significant injuries depending on who you're working with and, and the environment. So making sure that you're adequately covered insurance-wise against these potential liabilities 
uh, is extremely important because if you're not and something happens, the very thing that you're trying to do to put food on your table or extra money into that account could be the one thing that could hurt you financially in a very, uh, very tremendous way. And it's very difficult and in some, in some cases even impossible. For well, we've talked about legal impacts. We've talked about the instructional aspects of it, different things like that to prepare students for you know what's out there in the real world. Why not go along and make sure we've got insurance coverage? So in case you know some crazy thing happens and nobody could predict it happens, that we're covered, but also our, our students are covered and making sure that you know they don't have to worry about suing us in order to go along get the money back. Exactly. We don't we don't want to think about that. Exactly. Good point. Well, Jason, quick question for you out of the first ten episodes. Besides your your own episode, what was your most favorite episode? I, I gotta tell you, I, I think that. Uh, I think just the wisdom uh, and the experience of episode three with Ken Ackerborn was just uh, amazing. Uh, I can personally say that of all the episodes, I've listened to that episode three or four times because uh, it took three or four times for me to really absorb everything that, that Ken was saying. Uh, and then I would say uh, probably second to that was uh, Andrew Bronco. Again, just a tremendous amount of information. You listen to it, you try to absorb it all, but it's just not possible to do in 25 minutes. Yep, definitely. And if I had a, I honestly can't say which one was my favorite episode in the first 10, because every one of them, just like I've been speaking on this episode, had something very special mm-hmm. that I took away that literally I sat back in my chair and said, I've got to, I got to do that, become a better instructor, Absolutely. you know, whether it's legal, whether it's, you know, dogmatic instruction mm-hmm. about, you know, changes in the industry, all those different kinds of things. Uh, you know, the, my big pleasure in this episode, in this uh, podcast is I'm pushing myself to become a better mm-hmm. instructor by doing the podcast and talking to all these people because it's right, right in front there. And I can talk to the people that have the wisdom to pass it on to me. So it's mm-hmm. really great. Absolutely. On behalf of all the instructors that are listening to this program, uh, I want to thank you, Rob. Uh, you know, what a fantastic idea for a podcast. I think that with the growing listenership, it's something that's been missing for a long time. Uh, and I really appreciate the, the steps that you've taken to put this together, to, to get these episodes uh, put together with instructors that just have impeccable credentials, a lot of experience. They really know what they're talking about. Uh, and that really benefits us all. So, so thank you for all the hard work and time, energy, and effort that you put into this podcast. Uh, thank you. I, I appreciate those kind words, and there will be more um, in our next uh, ten episodes that we'll be reviewing here uh, shortly. We're going to be talking about a lot of different topics on uh, you know starting out your business, about going along, and being being able you know what are the other instructor programs that are out there. We know about NRA, we know about USCCA, but you know, there's other instructor programs that are out there. Again, we're not trying to make this one methodology overall. We're really trying to go along and making sure people have the information. One of the things that we're going to be hitting hard in the next uh, 10, 10 to 20 episodes is a lot about women's uh, shooting. And part of that comes down to they're the largest growing segment. If there's one group that I see more in my classes now than I, than I did 10 years ago, it's women. And that's one of those things where, again, just like we were talking about, you know, going window shopping and looking for yeah, the guns. So we're knowledgeable on how to how to deal with different kinds of guns. We need to know how to deal with different kinds of people and, exactly and right. where they come and where they come from. And those and that's one of those things where, hey, I'm not the expert of them there. I'm going to bring people 
bring women on and talk about those those different kind of topics so that the men that are out there can learn how to instruct women better. And even the women instructors out there, they can understand where maybe some women are coming from different times and learn about, you know, where, where the men are coming from. Exactly. So look, looking forward to the next 10. It's and, exciting. Uh, I'm, I'm very psyched uh, over it. And uh, it's been a great year so far. And there's more to come for everybody. Well, that about wraps things up for today. If you enjoyed today's episodes, a few important requests. One, go out and check out Firearm Trainers Association. Uh, we gave, gave them a pretty good plug there on the review and such. And if you want to check them out, go out to ftaprotect.com. And remember to use the promo code FTP10 for 10% off on your policy. We also want to go along and ask you, talk to other instructors. Have them go along and listen to this podcast. Tell them what we've been talking about here for the last half an hour about the valuable information by these industry leading legends in a lot of, a lot of cases and ask them, you know, have they thought about what their product is that they're giving to their students and what they could do better. Subscribe to us on Google play on iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast at. And remember, we bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Until next time, stay safe. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.